What is up, y'all? Welcome to the Cajun Libertarian Live. I am your host, the Cajun Libertarian. Tonight, we're going to be talking with Martha Bueno, special edition, special guest appearance, talking about the uh, protests in Cuba. We are also going to spend some time with Brian Scott Lambrick. Then we're going to tell some folks to kick rocks. And of course, I am introducing the brand new segment. How is that racist? Next on the Cajun Libertarian Live. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the Cajun Libertarian Live. I'm very happy to have y'all. I know there's a lot of brand new people that are watching this show, so I hope you stay tuned. This is going to be a phenomenal episode. I packed a lot into this show, and I hope you are excited. We have very limited time, so without further ado, we are going to bring on Martha Bueno to tell us about Cuba. We had an amazing conversation just like a week or two ago absolutely incredible and i'm super excited to hear what she has to say because this information that is coming out is absolutely remarkable and outstanding and i cannot wait to hear what she has to say about it so without further ado martha bueno hi thank hey. you so much for having me on again <laughs> thank you so much for coming on with such short notice oh my goodness but this is huge this is immense this is massive tell us about what's going on in cuba please all right. Well, yes, it is huge. It's massive. And it's what we libertarians live for, right, is a moment where history can be made, history can be changed. So um, what's going on with Cuba? First of all, the background story, Cuba has been under a socialist communist regime for the past 62 years. Um, basically, Cuba is an island nation of um, slaves. They're slaves to the Cuban government. You can't do anything on the island. You can't even... Um, grow your own crops. You, If you do grow crops, you know, if you're a farmer and you do, you must sell it to the Cuban government. So there's a lot going on. And um, very recently, Cubans have been getting very sick from COVID. And the, I know we always hear about how the healthcare in Cuba is supposed to be magnificent. Well, it's not. Um, it, it's, it's very good for those who, of means and of the com, uh, Communist Party, but it's not good for the people. And a whole bunch of images and videos are coming out of the Cuban hospitals. This is how this all kind of started. So Cubans who contract uh, COVID are left pretty much uh, to, to be on the floors of the hospital with nothing. They, they don't have any medicine. They don't have ventilators. They don't have anything. So if you happen to contract COVID in Cuba, you're, you know, you're forced to go to this hospital, but there's no resources for you. And so I think um, they also had the whole issue with uh, very recently, the Cubans no longer use the US dollar. They're they were now forced to go on to the euro, which um, most remittances from the United States come in dollars. So Cubans have dollars, they have access to dollars, not to euros. Prices are going through the roof. The Cuban government is starved, uh, sorry, is starving the people. And the people finally had enough. I keep hearing how this is somehow a, a CIA incited event. It's not. This is 100% organic from the people of Cuba. 
I'm hearing it from people on the ground, on the streets, family members of mine, friends that are like, this is, you know, it's organic. So people are going out into the street. It started uh, Sunday evening yesterday and uh, people are going out and protesting. And you hear it in their chant. They're saying libertad, which is freedom. They also said a few uh, nasty words about their president. They were calling him, um, if you hear the chant, singao, which is a dirty word, don't say it. Um, but they're calling out this and they want an end to the regime. Um, Cubans have been generally scared to go out because anytime they do and they protest, they get beat up, they get thrown into concentration camps, they get, uh, I mean, uh, there's a lot of bad outcomes. Let's just leave it at that. We have lots of stories of Cubans being put up um, against a wall and killed. So, you know, anything can happen. Anything will probably happen. And what we're hearing right now is that uh, the Cuban, so the Cuban uh, government had shipped out a lot of their soldiers to Venezuela when they've been committing horrors in Venezuela, and they're getting shipped right back to Cuba right now. So um, the Ministry of the Interior of Cuba, which is called MININT, um, has just released uh, information that, um, or I guess it got out somehow, about how they are going to cut all the internet and the uh, electricity. Wow. They, actually, the, the form that, they, that, that uh, some Cubans got a hold of even says that they're going to wait until now, the evening hours, to operate under the darkness so that they don't get filmed doing these things. From yesterday to today, thousands of Cubans have gone missing. We can't find them. Uh, we have no idea in which jails they are. They I've, Obviously, it's you know very different to the way things operate here in the United States. So people don't get access to a telephone call. They don't get access to lawyers. They just, uh, you know, it, they just, whatever the Cuban government decides for them, that is what happens. So we are asking everyone to please keep an eye on the situation. Please retweet your support for Cuba or post about it or talk to people about it. We need the eyes of the world on this. This is going to turn into a bloodbath, I fear. Um, there's no reason why the Cuban government should cut off electricity and Wi-Fi for their people, but they are. And um, they are going to continue to harass people and turn this into a horrible situation. And as far as I know, there's really nothing we can do uh, from here from the United States. It's illegal for U.S. citizens to head over to Cuba. Like, for example, if we have boats, you know, I'm here in Miami. We're about 200 miles away from, from Cuba from here. Um, it's illegal for U.S. citizens to hop in a boat and take supplies over to Cuba. It's illegal for us, um, you know, to, to really do much. And so um, I also hear a lot about the embargo, about how the United States is supposedly, uh, you know, crippling Cuba with the embargo. This is a question I get a lot. So I am uh, just letting everyone know that the embargo the United States has on Cuba is a financial embargo. It means we can't extend credit to Cuba. It does not mean that Cuba can't buy from the United States. As a matter of fact, they do. Um, they buy all sorts of goods and services from the United States, things like medicines and foods. Um, what they can't do is receive credit from it. So I hear a lot of people like, well, we should end the embargo. The embargo has nothing to do with that. What we could do is send them aid of some sort. However, it's already been, it happens all the time. Every time Cuba receives aid, they don't give it to the people. They sell it to the people. Um, I've seen tons of videos of people walking out of Cuban stores with a product, any, you know, anything. And it says not for individual sale, which is what uh, gets sent in foreign aid. It's for you know, the people, but the Cuban government just goes ahead and sells it to people. So it's it's really frustrating. I have no idea how this situation is going to unfold. And I have no idea how we can help them other than just 
support and uh, keep your eyes on them because they won't be able to operate if the world is watching. They will not be able to um, just kill people indiscriminately if we're all paying attention. And I think that's the biggest point I'd like to make tonight is, you know, if you see something, a video of coming from Cuba, if you see anything, please share, please help us share, please help us get it out there. Um, you know, it seems like the whole world is paying attention now, but I think there's still a few people that haven't heard what's going on. And uh, could he could use a little of that support, especially now that um, the Cuban forces from Venezuela are heading back. And that means, um, you know, they don't they don't really pay, play very fair in Cuba. So it's not like uh, they're going to be dressed up in their military fatigues and walking the streets. They actually dress up as plain clothes and have their weapons. Um, I've seen all sorts of videos they in uh, coming out of Cuba with police officers with like cloths tied around their hands so that they can, you know, um, affect the most damage. Uh, they're also using tear gas and other uh, forms of of um, substances against the people. I mean, it's really, really, really bad. Yeah, and, and you have a video. It can can we see that? How um, hard is that going to be to play on this? I don't know how to get it to you from my phone. Um, can you just play it on the phone from the? Because it's wow. I mean, you showed a little bit of it. It's I, a ten-second video. I can certainly try. I just don't know how good it's going to be quality-wise for people watching. Um, but yeah, it was sent to me, and I actually have it on my Facebook. If anyone wants to see it a little better, there we go. Um, yeah. But basically, let me see if I can get this a little bigger so I can show. This this is from your cousin. Is that right? Yeah. Um. It's it's now been shared lots of places around, but I don't know if you can kind of see that there. Yep. Very but, much. Um, right between the arches there, you can see somebody, the police taking down somebody and just beating the the living daylights out of them. Um, this happens all over the place. We actually have a libertarian party um, in Cuba. We have a, the Mises Mambi and they, two of, of the Cubans there have gone missing um, since last night. They're part of the, the thousands that are missing and we have no idea what's going to happen to them. They're, we know, I've heard reports that they had the living kicked out of them. Um, and it was, a, you know, pretty bad, but I don't know what's going to end up happening to them. And that's always the concern. They've they've had this happen to them before previously for having the wrong books. Um, I guess they got sent some sort of libertarian type of material. Mm. And um, yeah, they've gone to jail many times for the cause. I mean, talk about libertarians. These guys right. are the real freedom fighters. They're trying to get that out there. And um, yeah, they're going to be, unfortunately, under the, the system for a while longer. I don't know how this is going to end. So for anybody that's unaware of exactly why they're protesting, can you tell them why they're going through this right now, please? Yeah. So they're just fed up. This is the first time in 62 years where the, the community is just saying we've had it um, again, going back to the financial stuff. So no longer are they accepting the dollar. They, they, all of their money that was in dollars is no longer usable on the Island. So a lot of people, if they had any savings, which most people don't, but if they did, it's basically useless now. Um, in addition to that, Cuba was offered a lot of COVID vaccines, millions of doses of COVID vaccines, which they turned down. Um, the Cuban government keeps saying that they're going to use their own vaccines, which is called the Soberana Dos. And that vaccine is not yet ready. They've actually put it in people in Cuba. They're using them as guinea pigs and it's a complete failure. So the Cuban government is saying, no, we don't want international help. But at the same time, they don't have anything else. 
Um, so it's, it's just a combination of factors. There's the prices have gone up for everything. There's less, um, there, the electricity has been cut out for most of the country for weeks now. Um, it comes on for two, three hours at a time. It is absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, think about it. What would happen in the United States? You know, they shut us in our houses and we got pretty upset. Now imagine on top of all of that prices shooting through the roof, your currency is no longer valid. You know, all these things that have been frustrating people, but they honestly believed that they were doing something good. They thought that this regime was working for them. And I think at this point with all the technology they have in their hands, because now they have a little bit of access to internet and cell phones, they're seeing the realities that are out there. You know, they've suffered years of people telling them, this is the best. You guys live in the best country in the world. It's actually worse out there. And then they finally are seeing videos of our US supermarkets filled to the brim with stuff. And they're like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem pretty bad. So um, yeah, it's, you know, it is what it is. People are finally waking up to the fact that that uh, there's there's better out there and they want that. People want to be free. It's a human condition, you know. Um, <laughs> when I talk to my family members, I'm like, hey, let me send you some seeds. And they're like, are you kidding me? They're gonna kill me if I grow something here. And I think that that view, like the government has to provide them with everything or they starve, is starting to, they're starting to realize, hey, the government just can't. Nobody can possibly take care of all of your needs. And, um, you know, their education, yeah, they get free education, but what good is an education if you can't choose what you're going to learn about, if you have to learn the things that they're told? Um, it wasn't until very recently that I learned about this tugboat massacre that occurred in Cuba in the, in the mid-90s. Um, where hundreds of, of uh, I think it was 97 people passed away. They tried to take a tugboat. So, oh, by the way, it's illegal in Cuba to own a boat or to go fishing on an island, right? How like insane is this? You're hungry, you can go fishing, not in Cuba. So um, a group of Cubans had taken this tugboat. Um, it was called the 13th of March. Teresa de Marzo was the name of the boat. And it went out into the harbor and the Cuban government sank it. And then once they sank it, they went around in circles trying to create a vortex, a whirlpool to drown people. Pretty much all of the children on the vessel, which were the large majority, passed away. And some people uh, managed to survive and tell this story. So we're talking about a regime that absolutely doesn't give a anything about their people. They will kill you just to make the point. And so at this precise moment, Cubans have no guns. They have they haven't been able to get, you know, very many supplies in. Um, we've been hearing about shortages and just about everything from soap to shampoo to anything to eat. To I mean, it's just it's a situation that is dire. It is an entire island, millions of people that have nothing. And then, of course, there's a political elite that have all these wonderful things that they don't have. And so this is what's coming to a head. It's <sighs> I love living in America. <laughs> just have to say that. No, no, I love, and actually, you're you're gonna make a point when I wrap up the very end of this episode about that, and um, I'm just wow. I, I, okay, yeah. so let me say it like this: We need to have like over the next week or so, in just an entire hour after we get some more develop. I know you said that you don't know what we can do to help. But I'm feeling like if we give this a week and a half or so to let some new things develop, if you and I can just, or really just you, while I sit here like the ignorant <laughs> slub that I am, and let you talk about it, we we need to hear this because 
Oh my God. You, you, you prefaced basic, you basically prefaced all of this with, this is going to turn into a bloodbath. Yeah, basically. I mean, and I, I have my family there, you know, I have cousins and my aunt and um, just lots of family, lots of friends. All of my friends here in Miami have family back in Cuba. I mean, we don't want this to happen. If we could make, wave a magic wand and stop what's going to happen, I assure you we all would. But all of my suggestions as to what we can do from this country involve breaking some sort of law. So as an elected official, I cannot tell people to go do these things. But it's, you know, one of the, the craziest things is we have an executive order um, signed by Bill Clinton in 1996. It's Executive Order 6867, which prohibits Americans from going into waters in, in Cuba, into their international waters or their, their waters. And so um, the craziest thing is if we are free in this country, why couldn't we just head over there? Why is there a law against that? Of course, this law was brought about because of the Cubans to the rescue, the, um, the plane that was shot down over Cuba um, in, I think it was 1995 or 96. So I know why that law exists. It's just ridiculous. And are we free or are we not free? Are we able to just grab a boat and a whole bunch of people show up in Cuba or not? Um, unfortunately, the answer is not. <laughs> so with that being said, I am not an elected official. So I will... Um, <clears throat> la, 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 la. I do not want to hear this. No, no. <laughs> I will abide Let's by the law. encourage people to do anything that is not completely legal, please. I, but I, um, I am... I am hopeful that some people, you know, that aren't elected officials do, do go out there and, uh, and, uh, do the libertarian thing. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Yeah. I am, uh, not advocating for anyone to break the law here on this episode. And I will say it with that very precise accuracy. Um, Martha, Please get with me again in the very near future. I, I've asked you to come on on a very short notice for a very short time because I believe in this wholeheartedly. It, it's just huge to me, but I would love to spend like an hour with you on this, if that's okay with you, and very soon. I would love that, and it might have to be even sooner than that. I'm hearing from uh, the Cube, the Venezuelan embassy, the Citizens Embassy, which is a group put together by Zach Foster and a few others, that they have about 19 people coming out of the ICE detention facility right close to you in Louisiana. Um, and they're going to need some places to stay and some food and some clothes for their backs and some stuff. So I hope that we can do this soon um, and see if uh, the libertarian way of helping each other can't be... Um, you know, put in motion and get these 19 young men some help. Okay. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to get with you right after I log <laughs> off then. If that's Sounds okay. good. <laughs> I don't have any information on that yet. I just heard from Zach right before this, but, um, you know, my heart is divided into these two countries, Venezuela and Cuba are, um, you know, just, it's what I fight for in this Liberty movement. So. In, in, in a very valid, righteous fight. Oh, my God. I, I, I wish that 350 million Americans could listen to what you have to say. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have that platform. Maybe someday. But right now, I don't. But we're going to work hard to get every single eye and ear on you right now. Because you're kind of like the lead advocate for this. And... Mm. Mm. I'm trying to be careful here. 
<laughs> we, this situation needs all the help it can get. There it does. Go. I, you know what? I don't need the eyes personally. I just need people. The the hashtag that's going around is SOS Cuba. Um, you know, it's the biggest hashtag going around. It's been trending on Twitter and other social media apps. And that's, you know, I don't need the, the eyeballs on me particularly. I just need it on the people of Cuba. Let's see what we can do to prevent a massacre. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to get with you right after I get off the air. Is that okay? Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Martha. Thank you so much for having me and for amplifying this message. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to continue to do so. Absolutely. Thank you. I'll talk to you real soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, yeah, that's massive, huge. We need that message out there big time. I don't really have anything else to say about that because you guys can hear it straight from her. We will have her right back on ASAP. This is a massive breaking deal and it directly affects each and every one of us. And so we will have Martha Bueno right back on very quick, a whole episode. This was very short notice and she was brilliant as she always is. We will get her back on ASAP. Check out the hashtag SOS Cuba. There's also a Twitter follow now, I believe, for SOS Cuba. Follow Martha Bueno on Cuba or Martha Bueno on Cuba. Follow Martha Bueno on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, she also has a Facebook page, Martha Bueno for uh, 18 or yeah, District 18, I believe. And then SOS Cuba on Twitter. I will get all that. Please. Forgive me. This is very short notice. We will get all of this information to you ASAP. This is massive. This is huge. This will directly affect your liberty, our liberty. And look, my God, even if it didn't, we care about other freaking human beings. All right. And so we got to get this out there. We have to get the message out there and we will. Um, thank you, Martha. Thank you so much. Absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, yeah, coming, coming right back very soon. So for our next segment, because he's waiting, I was going to make him wait a little bit longer, but I can't do it. The man is very busy and he has just a couple of minutes with us. We are going to now spend some time with Brian Scott Lambert, spending time with Brian Scott Lambert. Brian. Noel, what's Agent. up? All uh, of the above. You are right that I am busy. It has been a hell of a night. I've been invited to like six different things, and I don't know how I'm going to get any of this stuff done. I'm just busy. I, I I literally ran out of the restaurant after getting my dinner down, pulling on my phone in my car. I had to get my hat out of the trunk, and I'm I'm ready. I I don't know what I'm doing. I. You call it 10 minutes with Brian, so I wasn't sure if this means you want me to rage for 10 minutes like I normally do, or if I tell a story, although I have a story for you. And by the way, I don't know, you said as soon as you get off this episode, you're going to call uh, Martha and set something up. So if you just want to do a minute and a half with Brian and get off with me and call Martha, that is totally understandable. I, I talked to her earlier today, too, which is kind of funny nice. that <clears throat> I didn't know her and I'd be on the same podcast later tonight. Yeah, but, neither did I. She is the best person that we have in the libertarian in the libertarian party that can talk about this issue and what's going on in Cuba. And it was amazing. And it was so eye opening uh, when I talked to her earlier today. And then I jumped on a little bit here and was able to listen to it. Right. And it's just a fascinating subject. Incredible. 
Yeah, Matt uh, Matt Wright asked, well, first he told me to keep you in the back, but I felt bad. And I didn't see that comment, Matt, before I pulled Brian up, so my apologies. He also says, have you changed, bro? Because we, we you wore that all weekend. I did. I actually washed it uh, just so I could have it on when I ran out, and my hat was in the trunk of the car. So um, <laughs> otherwise, earlier today, I was actually wearing like a nice button-down short sleeve i actually looked good for the first half of today and then i wanted to run out i'm like i've been sweating in this all day we're gonna go get dinner hey this just came out of the dryer so because i was doing all my laundry from this weekend that must be your favorite shirt no i've got silent film society shirts that are my favorite uh my legend of zelda one's really good i used to wear this optimus prime shirt to death that i finally can't wear anymore because i've shredded it i've got a dave grohl one that i wear a lot uh, yeah, no, I have a collection of shirts. This just happened to come out of the dryer because I just brought it with me to Mississippi this weekend, and I wore it all day on Friday, I think it was. So yeah. I had it, I had it all night there. Yeah, and you're, uh, you also wore your rope belt because you refused to to bring a belt on your travels. I don't know why. No, 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 no. no. I didn't refuse. No, no you to refused. Bring a belt. <laughs> I forgot to bring a belt, and I refused to buy another one. Because it's like I have a belt collection from every fucking city that I travel to in the country. Oh, here's a belt I bought at Walmart in, in Georgia. Here's a belt I bought at a Walmart in, uh, in Huntsville, Alabama. Here's a belt I bought up when I was in Kentucky. It's just fucking... No, I don't refuse to bring a belt. I refuse to keep buying new ones when I go to new towns is the problem. So I'm getting one of my old belts. I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to leave it in the travel bag. So I always have a belt with me from this point forward. No time. Matt Wright says, nice. Probably about something else, but I'm putting it right there. Probably about something else. It sure is fucking about this segment. No, no. What is it? What is this segment about? I thought I would talk to you because something came up in Clubhouse earlier and I was telling a good story and I thought you would appreciate it. It is about the idea of libertarians that volunteer and they do work uh, in, in their party. And, and it was good. It was bringing up to me. It reminded me of a friend. And I wanted to talk about something. A lot of the problems people have in their state parties, in their local parties, is finding something to do. Right? We see a lot of people that are dedicated libertarians. They don't have a job or they have a title, but they're not sure what they're doing with it or, or they're within some kind of structure that they can't really work within. I deal with this constantly. I'm dealing with it in now in a couple different ways. And the thing is, is finding a job or a task for somebody that they can make their own something that they can do within their limitations. And I wanted to bring up two people. Uh, the first is a gentleman named David Johnson. Now, these are both people that are from Illinois. Uh, that's where most of my stories come from. But uh, David Johns is an older guy, and he's retired. Uh, he used to work for the Chicago Tribune for many years. He's a, you know, a journalist of sorts. Uh, but he, did, he did imagery and stuff um, and, and, and making images for things. But, you know, he worked for the Chicago Tribune for many years. He's a retired guy. He travels around a little bit, and he actually does, uh, I guess today people would call it cosplay, but he does uh, uh, Revolutionary War reenactments. And he's good at it. I've attended one or two of these things with David. But the thing about David is he's an older guy. He's retired. He can't march in the, in the parades. He's not going to be neighborhood walking to support candidates, right? 
And he doesn't really travel around the country to go to the conventions. He's not going to run for office. That's not what he wants to do. But he shows up to all, you know, the monthly meetings, hangs out, talks with everybody. And he will pitch in money. And a lot of the, you know, older retired guys, they like to pitch in money because, you know, it's what they can do and they can help out. And David's always willing to do work, but it's like, well, what can he do? Well, I found something. And both of these stories I'm going to tell you involve the petition drive. So just to sum up for people that are watching that are around the rest of the country may not know this, uh, in Illinois, we need 25,000 valid signatures to get all of our statewide candidates on the ballot every two years. So this is for the presidential year that we do in, you know, like 2020, 2024. And in the off-season uh, years where it's governor and lieutenant governor, secretary of state, comptroller, treasurer, attorney general, and all of that. So what we've been doing the last years is uh, we some, and in Illinois, we only have 90 days to do this. And 25,000 signatures isn't enough. You have to get 50,000 signatures because there'll be challenges. Remember, I think uh, I went over this on Chris Darnell's, uh, on, yep. on the, um, uh, the bootleg libertarian. What am I called? Not, Not a real, a real libertarian. libertarian. Yeah, I can't remember what he calls himself these days or what he's going to call himself next week. But I'm not a real libertarian. I talked about specifically the ballot access uh, fight that we had. So with me setting the stage with that, we have to pay petitioners from out of state to come in because getting 45, 46,000 signatures in 90 days, we can't even do that. And by the way, we get about 16 to 18,000 of those signatures volunteer alone. So all of you guys in states where you only need like a thousand or five thousand and you've got a year and a half to get it, your excuses don't mean fucking shit with me because because we get 16 to 18,000 of them in Illinois um, every year. And then we're lucky to have the pay petitioners come in and help us make up the, the bulk of that on the other end. So with that being said, the paid petitioners, they have to be able to do this. Um, uh, uh, we have to verify their signatures are good, right? That they're not just handing us in pages full of crap signatures. So we validate them. We have a list of the voter registration, and we have people that are dedicated that will click through online, check all the addresses and the signatures, and make sure that it's valid. And then we keep a tally of that. So if you turn in a page of signatures and at least 70% or more are valid, then it's all good, and you get paid the full amount. But if you fall below that 60%, 50%, 40%, well, now we're only going to pay you 60%, 50%, or 40% of what we agreed to. It's all in the contract. Does this make sense so far, Cajun? Absolutely. And this way, one, we're helping to prevent fraud, and we're encouraging the petitioners to get good signatures. And I've been a paid petitioner, so I go out of my way to make sure that I, I'm getting good quality signatures. And, you know, I'm talking to people, and I'm, I'm watching what they're writing, making sure they, you know, include all the information so we can make sure they're legit and they can be verified. But we have petitioners that sometimes slack on that or they don't pay attention. So this is important because we get more valid signatures and we save money. Libertarians donate money. We want to get the biggest bang we can for that buck. We don't want to abuse that. So we're not just throwing money at paid petitioners that might not be worth anything. So the validation process is very important. David Johns would take stacks of these pages and he would sit in front of his computer and he developed this whole system, which we're still using today. He actually wrote out a little training manual. It's only a couple pages. It's not long. But anybody else who wants to volunteer time and validate these things to help save money and make sure our signatures are good and, and keep track of how many signatures we have as we get close to the turn in date so we know what our challenge is going to be. Uh, David did all of this, <clears throat> organized wow. it, helped it make sense. And he would go through dozens and dozens of pages in a sitting. And it was great. 
it, it, it changed everything and it made it so much easier for all of us to think, who we've got David, he'll take care of this. He'll be on top of this. Um, and then everybody around the rest of the state could relax on getting their petitions and, and moving the, the petitions around through the state. Because we have validators all across the state, but David was in the northern part of Illinois near Chicago. That's where the right. most people are at. So right. he would end up, quite often he'd end up with the bulk of them. And sometimes I get an email, hey, I'm overwhelmed, guys. I'm sorry. It's going to take a while. It's like, David, you're a volunteer. We're grateful for that. So that's the first story I wanted to bring up in that even if you're somebody that doesn't think you can help out, there's a job for you somewhere. And it is up right. to the state party and the people there to find out where, where you can go. Because not everybody knows what, what jobs are needed, right? Facts. Who, who would ever think I'm going to help out in the liberty movement by sitting in front of my computer for a couple hours at night, maybe three, four nights a week. Uh, and it's only during that 90-day period uh, every two years. So, yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of hours of commitment, but it's only three months. But, man, it's crucial and we need it. And most libertarians think about activism. They think about going out, waving a sign and fighting. And, and the biggest thing is keyboard war, warrioring. Uh, this is something that was really good. So shout out to David Johns. You're amazing. You're awesome. I can't wait to see you. I just got to see him up there uh, earlier in Illinois when I was back up there. So I'll get to see nice. him again. I'm excited. So that's the one story. The other one also involves this same petition drive, which is why I wanted to tell these two stories together. Right. And it involves getting the petitions around the state. Now, there's another gentleman by the name of Dennis Spears. Dennis is not with us anymore. Uh, Dennis was killed on a motorcycle crash. In a motorcycle accident, somebody hit him and his wife, and um, they're no longer with us anymore. And I want this to be a little memorial for Dennis. Um, Dennis was an Air Force veteran who served in the first Gulf War. Uh, what did you call it? What, Desert Storm. It was Yep. It was in 1990, 1991. Uh, I believe he took some shrapnel in his leg, which is one issue. And then after when he came home and did some work, um, he was doing roof building or something, and he fell off a ladder and injured himself even worse. Uh, he was disabled beyond disabled. It was a problem for him to walk around. Um, I remember him talking about the Fox Valley Libertarian Party would meet upstairs in a bar. We had a whole room to ourselves up there where this chapter would meet. And Dennis hated, he loved going there. He went to every monthly meeting and hung out. But some days are more painful than others. And going up and down those stairs is one of the hardest things for him to deal with. And I remember him complaining about that one time. And Dennis would, again, show up to every meeting. He would hang out. He'd chip in a few bucks when he could. But he can't march in parades. Uh, excuse me. He can't go out and collect signatures. He can't go and walk back and forth at, excuse me, at a farmer's market or at a train station or a 5K you know, run and try to get some signatures from people. There's a lot of things he can't do. Yeah. Uh, he'd be great at sitting and going over policy and working on campaigns. And he was very helpful with that. So that's what he would do during the off season. But during the petition drive, Dennis, because he was in so much pain, walking was painful. He couldn't move around. Riding in a car was painful. Sitting in a chair at home was painful. And I know a lot of people are going to laugh when I say this, but you know what wasn't painful for him? riding on his motorcycle nice and he loved it because of the way he was upright and he was leaned in and his body was straight he loved riding on his motorcycle it was comfortable for him and i remember talking to him one time with some other people lex green and and uh, other people involved in the in, uh, in, in the ballot access drive we were doing that dennis is like hey i can ride my bike anywhere is there anything i can do and it's like 
you know what? We've got thousands of petition pages that we need to move around fast. Petitioners would turn in their pages. We got to get them validated. And we got to get them sent to, uh, at the time it was Bloomington at that state chair Lex Green's house. So we could have them all stamped. They have to, you know, be numbered, hole punched. Um, we would turn in a stack of, I, I told this before, 19 inches tall of petitions in a giant box. 19 inches of freedom, people. We would turn in to the, to the State Board of Elections in Springfield every two years. Good, but you got to collect all those petitions as you go along. And right. Dennis would get on his motorcycle and drive for hours a day. Hours all across northern Illinois. Sometimes he'd venture into central Illinois. He, he'd crash at people's houses. Um, or stay in a hotel, especially if we can cover a hotel for him so it's not at his expense. Um, I'm not even sure if we reimbursed him for gas. He might have done all of it volunteer. I really, now that I think about that, I don't know. I think he just did it because he wanted to do it, and he knew it was a big help. And when Dennis passed away, we made a video for him. You can look at this on YouTube because we make videos for our friends that we lose in the Libertarian Party. Um, David Johns talked about sitting at a McDonald's, having a milkshake with Dennis. Dennis would pull up on his motorcycle to come get the pages, but he wouldn't just grab the pages and take off. He'd stay and they would talk for half an hour, 40 minutes, just about everything, about libertarianism, about life in general. They'd have a milkshake, have a, have a snack, and then he'd be on that motorcycle and off to the next thing. And again, there's an example of... I'm, sorry, I'm thinking about Dennis now and I'm getting sad. Um, sorry. It was something that he could do. And again, most libertarians don't think about something like that. But man, it's very important when, when you can do, when, when, when there's something you can do. And again, it's up to the libertarian party, that, that chapter or that state party, to figure out where they need people and to find those people best suited for that. I like to delegate work and I'm pretty good at finding people that can, and fill in roles like that. I helped recruit. Um, I don't think I specifically recruited Dennis, though I did talk to him about it and helped him get into the role. And I did recruit David because David wanted to help him pitch out. I'm like, David, this is something you can do. And I'm hoping that by telling this on your show, people that are watching may think about the jobs and the tasks that they need. Somebody somewhere who has the free time that can write press releases, even if they don't know how, if they're excited to do the job and they're willing to learn, that's far more valuable than somebody with experience because it's somebody who cares and wants to do it. And that's, that's, what's good. And, uh, yeah, just, I wanted to come on here and tell this story. This is for David John and this is dedicated to Dennis, uh, Spears. And I just wanted everybody to know. So there you go. I love it. That is freaking awesome. Um, thank you, Brian. Th those, uh, some of the people in the comments were like, have Brian rant. And yeah, I'm going to have you rant uh, or I'm going to ask you to rant, but I absolutely love these stories that you just told. And, you know, that that's part of the, re that, no, that's 100% of the reason why I asked you to, to come on the show because you're such a wide variety of experience and just success and, you know, obviously failures too. We, we, we're not going to walk this, out without any failures but wow your your wisdom your wisdom and your passion is just unmatched it's just amazing thank you thank you i i you know if you're gonna have me come on here i don't want to just sound like a raging mass of stupidity 
and try to share something useful. And I already ranted earlier, and you accused me of refusing to bring a belt. Like, I somehow have something against packing a belt. Oh, here's, I've got my socks, I've got my toothbrush, I've got my shirts, I've got all that. I refuse to put a belt in my bag. Like, that's not, that's not the case at all. I don't have a moral obligation to packing a belt with me when I travel. I just keep forgetting the belt. I refuse yeah. to buy another one in every damn city because I'm getting tired of buying belts everywhere that I go. That's that's what I'm refusing. No, no, no. I wasn't accusing you of that, but I'm hoping that after this little exchange, maybe you'll remember to bring a damn belt because this dude literally brought a rope and that was his belt. Or he found, did you find a, how'd you find the rope? I just have rope on my backpack at all times. All right, well, that took a creepy turn, but that's fine. <laughs> and, and, do you remember the, and do you remember the dinner that we went to? What was I wearing at the dinner? Uh, well, everyone else was either fancy, mid-fancy, or like myself, was very not fancy, but just fancy enough to be passable. You came in with like boxer shorts, a t-shirt, and maybe some slippers. I'm not sure. And you were little, you were absolutely the loudest person in the room. Okay, let, let me tell you this too, because I didn't tell you this before, but I'm going to tell it to you now because it's freaking hilarious. I was uh, scoping the room of all of the, all of the other diners in the restaurant, mm -hmm. which, by the way, for those, those of you that don't know, this restaurant was like a $60 average plate, right, that we all went to. It was very freaking fancy way out of my price range. My wife and I ordered two appetizers. Like that's the route we went, you know, and Brian comes in in this Nirvana shirt, which wasn't clean. Like it wasn't like it is now some beat up basketball shorts and some shoes that didn't belong in any establishment ever. And starts ranting Brian style. I look around the restaurant and every effing table in there is absolutely pissed at us. Because of Brian Lambert. And but you know what? That's why we love Brian Lambert. And when I was wearing those gym shorts, I'm like, look, this is all I'm wearing. This is essentially me in my underwear. If you don't believe me, I invited anybody at the table to walk up and test their theory. And I'm lying. <laughs> Nobody did. No, we knew you were telling the truth. We watched you walk up. I was hoping you or Chris would have done it. I was kind of <laughs> counting on it. I was getting, actually I was getting excited for it. I was hoping. Ah, well, well, maybe next time. Try it again. <laughs> no, but you were, look, your uh, your passion, your drive is unparalleled. You do so much for this liberty movement that many, many people will never see behind the scenes. And that's a lot of the reason that I, I want to bring you on every Monday for a little bit of story time or just time with Brian Lambert. It's not to try to make you a celebritarian that you don't want to be or anything like that. It's just the fact that you deserve at least some notoriety and uh, people need to hear how much work you put in, dude. It's, it's impressive. I don't care about the, I mean, I, like I said, I wanted to share a story today about two people that nobody will ever know their names. They're not going to hear anything about them. They deserve recognition. And I've got other stories I'll tell later uh, on other things about stuff like that, just to focus on some good people who do work and try to learn something out of, out of those stories. So I don't care about people recognizing Brian for the work Brian does. It's, it's, you'll, you'll hear me rant about the work I do at some fucking point. You're, you're not going to avoid it. So No, we're not going to avoid it. I hope that you do come with some rants here soon. Maybe I'll equalize ourselves. There we go. I uh, ranted earlier. You accused 
accused me of refusing to pack a belt. <laughs> no, I had to make a joke, man. You were no, that was a you were you were making a legitimate a, a legitimate oh. uh, uh, claim oh. that was false, yes, lies and slander, and I wanted to set the record straight. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't not for all the weekend that we spent and you complained about forgetting your belt because I don't remember you complaining about getting your He complained was, the whole weekend about... Was there anything about, else we ranted about this weekend? I know there were some things we were ranting about. Oh, my God. We ranted about a bunch, but uh, you forgetting your belt was the, the probably the highlight. No question. Dude cares about his belt. I was just joking. He cares my about his belt. kept falling off the whole weekend. The it was whole a pain weekend. in the ass. The whole week. Like everybody saw oh, oh, by the way, did, did the girls not look absolutely fantastic in Mississippi? Yeah. 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 All the girls looked absolutely beautiful, and I've got baggy cargo shorts falling off of me. Like, yeah, I felt like a jackass. It was not, it was not good. So I can't, I can't, I got to be better prepared. You're good. You were awesome. Again. <laughs> uh, Matt Lacey says, hashtag belts matter. Belts do matter, especially when you're wearing big baggy cargo shorts and they're falling off. Imagine if I was on stage doing karaoke like I was and then my shorts fall down. Oh, Pam says, forget belts, wear suspenders. You know, I've got a couple cool pairs of suspenders that I picked up. It was cool. I got suspenders (laughs) and I got a tie and I would wear, I I tried to look like some kind of like Southern lawyer in the 1960s. Like with the with the bright, I used to wear that stuff on stage too when I did uh when I was in my band. I'd have I'd wear a black shirt, black pants, black shoes. I'd have red socks, a red tie, and red suspenders, and it looked really good with my guitar, which is kind of a red guitar, which you kind of saw, even though we didn't get to use our guitars this weekend, which is the one tragedy. Facts. We'll, we'll land here. You're my wife said, "I can tell when you're distracted." Yeah. No, I'm listening to you. I, I just wanted to. Uh... Let everybody know. Well, let you know. My wife says, "Just be yourself in your amazing Brian fashion." I'm. Oh, I'm. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sonny. I appreciate that. But honestly, to, telling me to be the problem is, is I suck. So telling me to be myself is bad advice because I'm an awful bad person. So I'm always trying to find what. what? So now you know, Claire's hitting me because she's next to me. And, you stop. Get out of here. Turn you get off. Yes. 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 All right. You take care. I will. Where's my? I will catch you at some point soon, and and we'll talk oh, yeah. again soon. And we're still going to do that song at some point. No question. We'll have to do it live on the internet for sure. Uh, Brian, I will. There's Claire. Hey, Claire. Hi. We all love you too. <laughs> you were missed this weekend. So yep, very right. very missed. Thank you for coming on, you Brian. Go. You you take care. I probably went way over. I was supposed to be ten minutes with Brian, and I didn't mean to. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. You can get Martha back on here to talk more. She's got way more intelligent things to actually say. Hey, I'm glad you're yeah, going to get her to come back on to, to dive in more deep into the situation in Cuba no because question. I don't know what's going to happen there in the next few days, and I'm really nervous and worried because we saw what just happened in Colombia um, just in the last two months, what's still going on in Colombia with the protests there. And, of course, Venezuela is an ongoing situation. But now this is happening yeah. in Cuba. It's one of those things where it's like this could turn out really, really good or something else. Hopefully it turns out really, really good. I'm hoping because I'm nervous and scared, and those people there deserve it. They deserve something good. Yep. Yeah, we're gonna have her on. We're gonna we're gonna blast her and her message 
and anybody else that's closely tied into that situation that we can to get as much help as possible. So, Brian, thank you for coming and, on. And, and by the way, just to mention, she's running for county board, I believe, in Miami-Dade right. County. Miami I want to promote that because her campaign's not until next year, but Spike's going down there uh, to Florida in uh, Labor Day weekend to do some campaign events with Mike Termott and with uh, who's running for Congress. Mike Tremont's running for Congress in Broward, out of Broward County, I believe. And then she's running for county board in Miami-Dade County. So if anybody's yep. in the Florida area or you want to go down there, you can meet Spike and hang out with uh, Martha Bueno and Mike Tremont. So just putting a little bit of promo out there for those guys. Absolutely. <laughs> no, perfect promo. Thank you, Brian. We will uh, – I will talk to you, obviously, all the time very soon. But we will see you again next Monday for more time with Brian Scott Lambert. Take care, everyone. Have a good night. Thank you, my friend. We love you very much. Yes, yes, yes. Time with Brian Scott Lambert. Of course, we're going to go over a little bit there. Look at that face. Look at him. Spending time with Brian Scott Lambert. He deserves that time. Uh, I really want to showcase how much effort this dude puts in behind the scenes. It is absolutely unparalleled and amazing uh him and spike work every day together it's just incredible and so um the next brian lamar says brian's are the best jason lyon my show was supposed to be 20 minutes ish yet haven't been shorter than 40 not shocked because your beard is not as good as mine so uh with that being said, let's get into our next segment. I'm not going to give you the title yet because I'm going to give it to you afterwards. Let me read you a quote. Hey, everybody loves quotes, right? Rural areas can't photocopy ID is my title, right? Here is part of the interview that I found, and I'm going to read it. Asked if she would possibly support compromising on voter ID laws, Harris replied, Kamala Harris, or Kami Hair Plus, as I like to call her. I don't think that we should underestimate what that can mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to Xerox or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove to you, to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people living in rural communities who don't there's a dot, dot, dot there. There's no Kinkos. There's no Office Max near them. People have to understand when we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course, people have to prove who they are, but not in a way that makes it impossible or almost impossible for them to prove who they are. Thank you, Kamala Harris, for calling every person in rural America an absolute idiot who cannot photocopy anything at all, who has to go to Xerox, apparently, which doesn't even effing exist anymore because it's so outdated, because that's how out of date and out of touch Kamala Harris is with society let me say this real quick there are no notes here i am ranting right now all right 
I don't call many politicians dumb, stupid, or ignorant because they didn't get to that position by being dumb, stupid, or ignorant, except for Kamala Harris. Uh, how dumb do you have to be to think that people in America can't use a cell phone, snap a picture, and send it to their appropriate address? Not a big deal. I don't need Xerox, which is way outdated. I don't even, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a Kinko's. Don't need it. I have a cell phone. I don't need to go to Office Depot. Why? I have a cell phone. I don't need to go to Xerox, which I haven't heard the name in many years because I have a cell phone. I don't need to do that. I can take it on my phone of the cellular device and technology and send it to the destination that it needs to go. So if you had any effing doubt in your mind how these ridiculous politicians view your intellectual capacity at all, look no further than commie hair plus. I knocked my filter out of the way. I can't stand that. That's your future president, by the way. That's coming fast. You think Joe Biden's going to last an entire term? No, that dude doesn't even know where he is right now. Actually, he probably does. He's definitely asleep. He watched uh, Sesame Street. He had a warm glass of milk, and he was told by his staff to go to bed. As he is told about everything else he has to do, uh, just check the conferences, right? Just check them. What, what, what am I supposed to do? Oh, I got to do this because this is what my staff tells me to. Joe Biden doesn't have a freaking clue. Kamala Harris is your very recent or very near future president. Kami Hair Plugs. Yes, that is my name for her because apparently if you put Kami Harris, Facebook likes to throw you in the gulag. So I had to come up with a different name, Kami Hair Plus, because Kami Harris is offensive in hate speech. You know what else is hate speech? Kamala freaking Harris telling you you're too effing stupid to take a picture with your phone. Kamala Harris. Kick rocks. Kick rocks. Kick rocks. Kick rocks. The whole Biden administration, you can kick rocks. Get out Get out. You're stupid. You're all ignorant. You don't have a clue what you're doing, and it's effing clear. Kick rocks. And on to our next segment. How is that racist? Apparently, her ideas are racist, but we're going to move on from that. And I just love this emoji right here. I think it's hilarious. So I matched the emoji with the segment, How is that racist? Again, or not again, because I haven't told you that yet. Oh, you know what? Again, I'll put it back up. How is that racist? It's a rhetorical question, people. It's not racist. And we're going to talk about it right now. Very quickly, though, uh, let me add this tidbit of ridiculous semantics. Because of Facebook, I'm so sorry. Please don't hit the sad or mad react button. It drives the, they, they 
push the algorithm down. So if you don't like anything, just don't hit nothing. Double negative there, grammatically terrible. Doesn't matter. It's the Southern way of doing things. Please don't hit the sad or mad react. They will suffocate us. And so, how is that racist? Let's talk about it, shall we? We will do this every show. Why? Because there is an endless amount of information about how is that racist? Because it's not. But let's talk about it anyway. So I have an article that we are going to post in the comments. If it's not in the comments already from The Guardian, I will post it as soon as I get off of here. I'm only going to read a snippet from it, and then we're going to flesh it out. We're at 57 minutes, important episode. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but we are going to spend some time on this segment. How is that racist? It's not. I have heard many black... Uh, from The Guardian... I have heard many black Americans talk about the awkwardness of white people over smiling. The act is meant to convey acceptance and approval while maintaining moral integrity, but actually conveys white racial anxiety. Over smiling allows us to mask an anti-blackness that is foundational to our very existence as white. If leading benevolence, of course, has no relation to how black people are actually undermined in white spaces. It's from Guardian at link. You should read the entire argument or article of uh, the Guardian on white politeness or some. I don't even know. I just <laughs> smiling. How is that racist? It's not. It's not. This is gaslighting. All right? This is gaslighting at its best. This is mainstream media trying to tell you you're racist. You're probably not. You're probably not. Just smile. It's okay. Smiling isn't racist. It's not. How is it racist? It isn't. Keep smiling. Be kind to people. Be nice to people. Care about people. Smile at people. Why? Because that's what nice people do. It's not racist to smile. Even if you're smiling at a black person. I know that's that's fucking groundbreaking material right there. I, I, I just, I, I've opened the floodgates of philosophy that none of you ever thought in your minds would ever come to fruition. Right. You never thought for a second if I smiled at a black person, it wouldn't be racist. No, you didn't say that. Nope. You thought for sure. I can't smile at them. That's definitely racist. Right. No, this is gaslighting at its best. This is media and extremists trying to convince people that the average everyday ordinary act of smiling at somebody is racist. It's not. We will do many things of, how is that racist? But today we're going to talk about smiling. Let me give you a little uh, snippet into what I deal with or what I do in my daily living every day, right? I, oh, there's the article, okay? 
already pinned. Thank you. <laughs> Jimmy Eel says, I don't ever smile. Therefore, I'm not a racist. Astute deduction, Jimmy. Apparently, according to The Guardian, you are spot on, which makes you not a racist. So, I live in Jackson, Mississippi, and I meet new people every freaking day of my life. I meet new people. Most of them are, wait a minute, black, because I live in Jackson, Mississippi. Right? And I am some odd, uh, I'm in some odd space of racial ambiguity where people don't know if I'm white or mixed or both. And I'm probably somewhere in between. I'm very dark skinned. I look orange like the Trump. I'm not orange. I have all the best words in all the best colors. I'm not orange. I'm not the Cheeto. Anyway. But I'm very dark skinned. I'm black haired. I'm black bearded. Uh, most people think that I'm either a Muslim terrorist or Mexican. I don't know why they call me Mexican. I don't. Nothing about me looks Mexican. Muslim or Middle Eastern heritage, that works. I actually am of Middle Eastern descent. I'm half Cajun, half Spanish. There's a long history behind that. So uh, I actually have been, uh, I hate to use this word, victim of passive racism my entire life, which I don't accept that terminology. That's just the, the word that we use in today's language where I've always been picked on for being very dark-skinned and very black-haired and called Mexican or a terrorist my entire life. I actually ran into a guy. I was decked out in a uniform of work attire with a truck decked out in work graphics. Walked onto his property. He comes out the door and says, Boy, if you don't speak English... I'm gonna. I have a house full of guns, and I will shoot you. Now, obviously, I spoke. I speak English. Spoke English, so I am alive. That's a plus. I think. I'm, okay, getting back. Most people are not looking. The vast majority of people, in black people in minorities are not looking for every effing reason to call you a racist. Be normal. This is gaslighting. This is trash. You're probably not a racist. Do you hate people solely because of the color of their skin? If the answer is no, hey, you're not a racist. You may have some stereotypes. You may have some biases. But if you don't hate somebody solely because of the color of their skin, then you're probably not a racist, right? So live your everyday life. Black people, white people, brown people, every other color on the color spectrum, which actually nobody's white, nobody's black. We're all just some different shade of brown. Are not looking to crucify you for some freaking ridiculous, non-applicable racist trash that does not exist they are making that up it's false it's it's fake news okay you've all seen it it's fake news i have all the best news of all the best people they all come to my rallies you see my rallies everybody comes to my rallies it's fake news it's fake news all right nobody's painting it, it drives me freaking nuts because here's the bottom line here 
is the reality. The reality is, is that the vast majority of Americans just want to go to work, pay their bills, raise their kids, and have a good life in the, the, the probably the most freest country on the planet. Right? And so please do not buy into this garbage propaganda that smiling at somebody is racist and that somehow if you smile, you're just disguising your white guilt, whatever. Privilege, racist, racism. It's not, it's not, it's not. Smile, open the door for women, open the door for men. Be kind to your neighbors, be nice to people. Shake their hand, smile, pat them on the back, ask them how their day is. That's called being a good effing human being. It's not racist at all. And that is our first introductory segment of How is that racist? How is it racist? Go read the article. They really go into like some very intellectually disabled mental gymnastics to just pull this off. It's a, it's just it's laughable, but at the same time, it's it's snot. It's not laughable. So, with that being said, we're going to get into the last tidbit here. We're way over to have a lot of viewers, and I was really um, really rearranged the solo segment, my entire schedule, so that I could deep dive or not deep dive, but dive into some of these things that I that I personally feel very strongly about. And I wanted to give you more of just me. These interviews that I do are phenomenal. And I'm like Jason said on Muddy Waters Media, I have the very first interview with Whitney Bilyeu coming up this Sunday at 8:30. I also have an interview tomorrow night with Steve, the the state chair of Florida. Um, And then Wednesday, I have another Steve from Pennsylvania, Steve Sheets, running for Senate and former chair of the Pennsylvania Libertarian Party. And then Cajun and Eskimo show on Friday. Packed week. I actually started this with just three shows uh, a week. But I don't know. You guys are just giving me the platform. And I don't take it for granted. I can't thank you enough. And so um, as we wrap up tonight, let me uh, let me let me say a few things here Um, as Americans. Right. We need to look at what's going on in Cuba and Venezuela and those countries. And and yes, yes. okay, I'm going to cuss for a second. We do have a little bit to bitch about. We do have a lot to bitch about. Right. You know, but we should be grateful. But at the same time, not only should we be grateful, but we should, and I'm speaking to myself too. I'm speaking to myself first. Not only should we be grateful, but we should be on guard because go back and watch the first Martha Buena interview and then watch tonight, then watch the next one. She sees the writing on the wall. So we have this weird paradigm of, an obligation, you know, or, or a priority, not an obligation, a priority to be grateful for the country that we do live in and the freedoms that we do have. 
we also have a responsibility to keep this liberty message fired up because we cannot get comfortable. We cannot get lethargic. We may be on a short leash. We see what, what these administrations are doing. We see what this duopoly is doing. We're, they're trying to track us down the same path, regardless of all the evidence that says that crap doesn't work. That's trash. So be grateful, but also continue to spread the message of the heart, harder, faster, more fire. Go, go, go. Spread the flame in your communities. I had a conversation with somebody today who uh, I thought was clearly a Republican, clearly a Trumper. Uh, he agreed with, uh, he did not argue with me one second about the fact that Trump was not who he said he was. Republicans are not who they say they are. He was, uh, he was quickly on board with the Democrats aren't who they say they are, but it was a phenomenal conversation, right? Do this in your communities, please. Just have a conversation at the grocery store. Smile at people. Be nice to people. Don't buy into this garbage. And then the last, but definitely not least, we we got to stop calling everything racist. We have to. We have to. Don't buy it. Don't believe it. Don't spread it. And fight back. Bite back. Every time these clowns do this crap, because you know what? There is absolutely real racism out there, and we can fight that racism. We have, in my opinion, obligatory duty to fight that racism. Uh, we can't do it if everything's just racist, because then it's just the boy who cried a wolf, right? And so with that being said, everything we talked about, that is just a thought. Take it or leave it. Very happy to be here with y'all. Very happy to reintroduce my solo segment of Just a Thought with many micro segments in it. If you hated it, let me know. A uh, lot of comments, a lot of views, a lot of reactions, so I think we're good. We'll be right back again Monday with the same show, Just a Thought, with Time with Brian Lambert, Kick Rocks, and How Is That Racist? Oh, I love this graphic. I'm sorry. How was that racist? It's not. It's not. It's a rhetorical question. It wasn't racist. That's why that dumbass look is on that emoji's face. Because it ain't racist. But they want you to believe that you're a racist. Because divide and conquer is the tool. So, like I said, everything you heard tonight, take it or leave it. Just a thought. I love you very much. I will be right back here tomorrow. Same Cajun time, same Cajun channel, and I am out.